You're listening to Inspirational Decency, episode 428, Gunpowdered Eggs. Yes, hello. Hello, listeners out there in Radio City, sitting there fidgeting in your Oshkosh bagosh overalls, with your strawberry shortcake barrettes, and your ironic Gary Coleman face tattoos. Come gather around your computers, or iPods, or the transistor radio in the women's prison mess hall. I'm here to talk to you about a radio show that's been around these parts since 1869, the year an exiled German prince named Durgen Spranger moved to Canada to avoid religious persecution at the hands of Germany's homeless population. Upon his arrival in what he referred to as the land deserted by teeth, Spranger immediately set to work, digging a deep hole that would serve as a hiding space for his collection of tasteful German erotica, including such magazines as Oh My Goodness, An Elbow, and Neckerchiefs, Neckerchiefs, Neckerchiefs. After digging for some time, Durgan struck oil, which he initially mistook for the blood of the earth itself. Gazooka, he cried, my thirst for perversion has wounded the very source from which all life springs. Strike me dead upon this very spot, universe, for my sickening lust for lightly dusted ankles has extinguished all of life forever. He carried on like this for some time pausing only to consume dollops of a thick cream known in Germany as Eisenhafen, or goo of disgrace. Finally, a vagabond who happened to be passing through the area, on her way to throwing an unwanted husband off the edge of the earth, discovered Durgan and informed him of the true nature of what he'd found. After a brief period of rejoicing, the prince stuck a large branch into the ground and proclaimed, With the money I shall earn from this discovery, I will start a comedy-type radio program devoted to describing the shape and contents of my own navel. Airtime shall be devoted to lengthy descriptions of malnourished bison in the region, and the comically misshapen appearance that results from this travesty of God's intentions. The name of this program will be Flurgen with Durgan. Flurg being a slang term at the time, meaning to spread career-ending gossip about local herdsmen. And so, the prince's idea for a radio program took root, coming to its full fruition decades later, with the invention of radio. Throughout the years, six generations of the Springer clan have hosted this show, each with his own unique perspective. First was Arnold Springer, who hosted from 1922 to 1943, and spent most of his programs performing educational skits about the inferiority of the purple race, an ethnic category that, as far as anyone knows, has never existed. There was Ernie Springer, who hosted from 1943 to 1975, and favored a brand of anti-comedy that mainly consisted of angrily interviewing large blocks of rotting cheese. Then there was his son, David Springer, who headlined the show from 1975 to 2002, during which he coined the massively popular catchphrase, Poop Deck? I don't like the sound of that! And now, there's Darren Springer, who favors a filthier and darker brand of comedy that he refers to as Tumor Humor, and who has created such characters as Cory the Cowdog Cooter, and Corporal Seepage. This edition of the program has earned raves over the years, from such critics as retired astronaut in a t-shirt, who says, hey, and Goat Phillips, who calls the show an absolute cheese race. It's also made history during its current run, like when it reported on the events of September 11, 2002, when Darren made an ill-advised 9-11 joke at a Kingston Shriners meeting. And who can forget its most notorious moment in 2007, when Darren made an on-air attempt 
to open the tomb of Ernest Borgnine, before googling Ernest Borgnine and discovering he was still alive. Yes, this show has had a hallowed and storied history that shall surely continue on into the dark and sinister future, as Darren Springer continues the work of his forebears, complaining about the speed and frequency of innovations in air travel, and offering staggeringly uninformed and offensive opinions about women's issues. Cheers to you, inspirational decency, and your legacy of irrational bullying and irrepressible bullying. of your emergency. Yeah, hi. Uh, my girlfriend is trashing my house right now. She, she's going crazy. Uh, I don't know what to do. She's literally just breaking everything. Lamps, vases, uh, my collection of non-erotic Fabergé eggs, everything. Okay, are you in a house or in a park? Wait, did you say non-erotic Fabergé eggs? Yeah, uh, the erotic Fabergé eggs are in a lockbox behind the tool shed. Behind the tool shed? Why aren't they in the tool shed? Okay, I don't think you understand how absurd that question is. If you were a thief looking to steal a collection of tastefully sexual Fabergé eggs locked inside of a metal container, where would you think to look first? In a tool shed or in a place that is not a tool shed? See, the key is to think like they do. Okay, sir, I'm sorry I asked. That, that's not my concern. Now, just calm down. What is your name, sir? Well, uh, I... Uh, sir, please tell me your name. I just... I, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. I have a call going out. I need to know your name, sir. Well, the thing is, I'm a celebrity, and, and I don't want there to be a big hoopla over this. Sir, I really do need a name. A team is already on its way. What is your name, sir? It's Greg Michaels. Okay, thank you. Now, what is the situation right now? Well, she's still just kind of throwing things and yelling. We both got really drunk tonight, and we got in a huge fight. We've been kind of going through a breakup, and things just got kind of crazy. I understand, sir. Now, what is her name? Her name's April. Is she Caucasian, African-American, Hispanic? She's Caucasian, about five foot two, dark brown hair. And where is she now? She's, she's in the living room. I, I'm calling from the bathroom right now. All right. We'll just stay where you are for now, and there will be a team arriving shortly. We'll help you out with this. Thanks. I, I, I don't want to press charges or, or anything. I, I'm not hurt. I, I just want her to calm down. Of course, sir. And I, I, I don't want a big deal, a, a big hoopla over this just because I'm a celebrity. I don't think you have to worry about that, sir. Good, because that's the last thing. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What does that mean? What does what mean, sir? What do you mean? What do you mean? I won't have to worry about this. I, I don't think I like what you're implying. I really don't think that's important here, sir. No, no, it is. It is. You, you don't think I'm famous? Well, to be honest, I've never heard of you, sir. Oh, oh, really? You've you've never heard of a little show called Twenty Two Is Way Too Much? That show where uh, James Brolin and Shelley Long had 22 kids? You don't happen to remember who played number four, I'm assuming? 
Sir, I do remember that show, but I never saw it. This really isn't important. Oh, so you, you don't remember that my character's nickname is the Kleenex Dog because he always had a cold? No, sir, and I have to say that information isn't exactly selling me on the show. Okay, my role received rave reviews from critics, okay? Uh, Ken Tucker from Entertainment Weekly called my role, and I quote, an element of the show. Hear that? Element. An element is a thing. How many other actors could say that their performances are also things? Sir, you're holding up the line. And award-winning. I won the Teen Beat Magazine Good Try Award five times. And the show was only on the air for two years. Think an overrated chump like Matt Damon could ever stand toe-to-toe in a scene with me? Of course he can't, because I'm legally required to remain 200 feet away from him at all times. Sir, I really do need to get you off the line. Hey, 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 April! Yeah, this, this this woman hasn't hasn't heard of me before. Can you can you believe that? Oh, oh no, I hadn't told her about that. Uh, April was just wondering if you saw my performance last year in Tyler Perry's Eight and a Half. I, I played the flatulent marriage counselor. D- did you see that? Oh, oh wait, uh, the police are here. Uh, hi. Yes, I was the voice of Spyro Agnew and Frost Nix in the animated series. <sighs> And now, a book launch is interrupted by a complete jackass. All right, uh, thanks for coming out, everyone. I I hope you had a good time. Boo! I did not. Boo! I did not. Boo! Excuse me, why why are you booing? I boo because I care. My name is... Reginald Reggie Naldi Aberdeen. I am the city's foremost critic of public literary readings. You may remember me from this year's Writers' Festival, when I ran naked through Joyce Carol Oates's reading, or from 2001, when I ran naked through Joyce Carol Oates's living room. Now I am here to pass judgment on this delightless debacle that you so daringly refer to as a haunch. The only thing haunched during that ordeal was the roasted eel I consumed at luncheon. I am implying that it made me vomit. Yeah, no, I I gathered that. Well, what, what makes you say that? What was so bad about this event? Dear lad, this event was an affront to the senses on every conceivable level. The set design was atrocious, with this cash register, this unsightly organ of commerce, distracting the eye away from the magic of literature. Keep in mind Oscar Wilde's typically erudite verses. Art and money do not mix... So shut your mouths, you stupid hicks. Did he Did he use the word hicks? He tried to cross over to a country audience. Did not take. But, but set design, this is just a reading. Oh, just? Just a reading? Just? Just? You're a bust. You and your pathetic standards. 
Was Revolver just a pop album? Was Ulysses just a novel? Am I just the victim of eight different investment scams? We must strive, dear boy, until we create one of the great novels of the century. Or until we've sunk our entire life savings into a product called Pant Grease? Okay, uh, a point taken. Uh, what else was wrong? Virtually everything else. The cadence and delivery of the readings, the pace of the entire affair, lugubrious. Lugubrious. You moved us from segment to segment like cattle at an auction. We are your buyers, and your words are the wares you hawk. You must move with lightning speed to entice us to purchase. So we, we should have talked like auctioneers? Precisely! In all aspects literary, one must move to obscure rather than clarify. Only then shall your audience be ready to follow you into battle, or buy any of the hundreds of boxes of pant grease that line your basement rec room. So you didn't find any of this interesting or fun? One thing I did enjoy was when I interrupted you at the end. I am incredibly interested in everything I'm saying right now. Otherwise, you get a D in presentation, a D-plus in quality of content, an F in overall viscosity, and a D-minus for the overall viscosity joke I just told, which did not work in the slightest. But, but, but you told it, not me. One must be in control of one's audience, dear boy. I'll never forget the Margaret Lawrence reading I attended, at which she fitted each attendee with a shock collar. The hideous shriek she gave as she jolted us again and again shall remain with me always in my nightmares and my morning fantasies. Uh, okay, so you hate the reading, uh, but it's technically not over yet. Is there anything I could do right now that would redeem it? The very question of the hour, my son. My brother owns a rather unique business located on the outskirts of the city. Were you to read the following copy in front of your acolytes, a passing grade is yours. Uh, this is really low. Okay. Choosing the carpet that's right for your home is an essential part of today's ugly world. So why choose a carpet that will shatter your spirit if you land on it weird? Come to us at Jerry's Used Carpets. We have so much carpet that we're a little ashamed of how much carpet we have. Remember to bring your own cheesecake, because we are not a bakery. Wait a minute, do you really have a brother? You've been had, monkeys! Uh, well, thanks for coming, everyone. <laughs> yes, very enjoyable, Gregor. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very comical. Oh, hello there, listeners of this fine program. I didn't hear you come in. I was just sitting here conversing with my bellhop, Gregor. He uh, lives in my house and carries my bags, and that is all he does. He doesn't clean, he doesn't uh, uh, drive me anywhere, 
his purpose is a strictly uh, luggageationary one. Luggageationary meaning pertaining to the handling or destruction of language. Or of baggage, sorry. I did not mean to say language, but it's always on my mind because uh, I'm new to language. I learned to talk five years ago, and it has been a disaster ever since. I cannot lie to you. Mostly because I don't really understand language or what a lie is. Well, let me just get this straight. A lie is when something is true and then you say, hey, that is true. No. No, no. A lie is when it's... Truth is the opposite of what you are thinking truth is. And then... Oof. Yeah, I, I gotta unpack this more. Really should have thought this through a bit more before I try to converse on it. What are you gonna do? Um, people to thank this week. Uh, Wendy Hewitt, the uh, Filipino fist, as I call her. No, I don't call her that. I don't know what her heritage is, um, but I'm sure if you were to linger outside her apartment, she would be more than happy to expound at length on the Hewitts and the destructive swath of terror that they carved on their way to settling in Canada. And I also want to thank Jonathan Gabry, who uh, cuts a different swath, a rather suave one, as he darts through town, carrying his briefcase of dreams. Inside that briefcase, Ironically enough, very few dreams. Mainly a lot of tax documents. Oh, what a strange mystery you are. Jonathan of Gabri. And, uh, meanwhile, the show's winding down. I'm just, uh, kind of sitting here listening to, uh, my, uh, meditative, uh, tape. It, it, it's called Meditations. Uh, it's just something I do to relax and, uh, unwind from the wacky, crazy, workaday world in which we all strive and fail to capture our dreams. And what's on this tape, you might ask? Well, it's mainly a uh, Miami cab driver just uh, kind of screaming, uh, You gotta get me some money! Uh, it's a lot more relaxing than it sounds because uh, the waves on the shore are kind of lapping behind him. I like to think that he has escorted a man to the beach. The, a man wanted to uh, drown himself, but uh, you know, he's not going to walk there. And he figures, you know, he's got some money left to his name. It, it's those, his last moments on earth. He's going to want to really go out in, in style. So why not? Why not get a cab? Why not catch a cab to the beach? Uh, stop. Stop judging this hypothetical man who wants to drown himself after taking a cab. Not nice, guys. Not nice at all. And so anyway, um, guy gets there, realizes he doesn't have the money to pay the cab driver. Um, look, we've all been there. And uh, finally, you know, the cab driver gets upset, and he realizes life is too precious. And he goes home, hugs his wife and family, 
Uh, not his, not that mother-in-law of his, am I right? Ooh, ooh, they can really be a handful. Mothers-in-law, don't get me started on them. Mainly because I don't have anything to say about them that's funny or interesting. And as that poor man washes up on shore the next morning, the cab driver reads about it in the newspaper and realizes, I never did get my $10. Ugh, that, that's the life we leave. The life we lead, and also the life we leave. Again, new to language. Uh, gonna go bone up on that. And until next week, bye bye you little raisins.